Now let's begin. Listener, and welcome to Trek 1701, a Star Trek podcast. I'm your host, my name is Chris Lockhart, and I am here with the full Trek 1701 crew. First up, we have Curtis Holloway. How's it going, Curtis? Very well, thanks, Chris. Excellent. Uh, next up, we have Richard Zabo. How's it going, Rich? Doing all right. Ready to talk about some Enterprise. Excellent. And last but not least, we have Ragnar. How's it going, Ragnar? Well, it's going quite well, and hello out there, loyal listeners. Um, so I'm recording in my living room this evening, so you might hear my dog at some point. Um, That's cool. It's been a while. Yeah. And I'm, I'm a, I don't know. Amazon keeps saying that they're delivering a parcel today, and it keeps not showing up. So if you hear my dog go- losing her mind... That means you, uh, UPS showed up. <laughs> um, and for, for tonight's occasion, I decided to swing by the liquor store and I picked up some innocent gun. Uh, it's called Creek 2021 and it's made That's with nice. ripe Scottish cherries. Um, I can't get enough of this stuff. It's so good. It's really good. Innocent Gun, that's the uh, that's the beer that's made in uh, whiskey casks, right? Yes. Yeah. And rum beer. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Yep. Yeah. And that, if you if you ever ask me what beer tastes best in a drinking horn or a drinking horn mug, Innocent Gun. Just the original one, mm-hmm. which is, I think, a bourbon cask. Yep. It is phenomenal out of a horn. Yeah. Um, Honestly, everything I put into my horn is phenomenal. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, that's just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know. Um, yeah, my, my, the liquor store I go to here in town, like, I don't know, they bought, like, a whole bunch of these uh, gift boxes that, like, they're Innocent Gun and they come with uh, glasses. Um, but like I said, I, I love this Creek kind um, it kind of tastes like a wine slash beer. It's really, really, really good. But I can only get it in the in those gift boxes. So like I've been getting all these glasses. I had to like clear up a shelf in my kitchen so I could put all these these nice glasses that I'm getting that say Innocent Gun. And then uh, yeah, and it sucks because they come in a four pack, but you only get one of those Creeks in it. So I bought two today. So I got two lined up for tonight. And then they come with. One that uh, uh, beer that's uh, in a rum uh, cask, and then the other two are whiskey. So, but they're all good. They're they're all really delicious. But um, anyway, I actually got a 
I was gifted uh, three three bottles of a very fancy, expensive Innocent Gun beer for Christmas. Ooh. And it's uh, aged in Laphroaig cask. Laphroaig is a um, whiskey distiller in Scotland that make, and I know this isn't going to sound good, but I swear it's amazing. They make whiskey that tastes like um, dirt and medicine and smoke. And it's it's phenomenal. Hmm. And so you put the Innocent Gun beer in a barrel that had that stuff in it, and it almost tastes like um, almost like a champagne, but as a beer. Huh. Beer pains. It was really cool, but they're like um, they're like thirty or thirty five dollars a bottle. So yeah, and, so, yeah and, my friend gave me Christmas, and they're just like a normal beer bottle. Like they're not like a like a. Tall boy or anything? Uh, no, they're like a double bottle. They're like a, oh, okay. like a half a liter. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, that'd be... So I, ha- I have still... Yeah, we drank one, and then the, the rest I'm saving. I'm not entirely sure for what, but, but I'm saving them. Excellent. All right. Um, for this episode of Truck 1701, we are going to finish up talking about Enterprise Season 3. So this is the last half of of season three and where we left off last time was the episode proving ground um so that was the 13th just quick recap that was the 13th episode it was the one with shran it was a good one it was a good way to end the episode and now we're moving on to episode 14 uh 66th of the series or the date of the show is December 12th, 2153, directed by Michael Viger. Story by Terry Metalis, teleplay by Mike Sussman. Original air date, February 4th, 2004. Uh, three years into the future, Captain Archer and Degra, the scientists behind the Zindi Weapon Project, are aboard a shuttle escaping from an insectoid prison camp. Degra cannot remember his time as Archer's cellmate and friend and remains suspicious despite having a prison tattoo and long graying hair. Archer convinces him that his memory loss is due to blood worms in his system, used because they excrete a truth drug, but sometimes causes the victim to suffer amnesia afterwards and removes a live worm from Degra's arm. Um, so anyway, uh, it goes on. And I, I actually like this episode. Um, you know, it's all a, it's all a trick. They're actually on the Enterprise, and uh, they're just you know tricking this guy. Yeah, tricking him into into giving giving them valuable information. Um, Ragnar, what what are your thoughts on this episode? Well, I, I quite like the the episode. Mm-hmm. And I quite like that it was all a ruse just to, to pump information from the guy. Um, and I thought that that was kind of neat, them doing something more <clears throat> deviant like that, you know? Yep. Because I think later on in the Star Trek universe, something like that would be at the very least incredibly frowned upon, possibly like a punishable offense. But because it's pre-Federation, they don't have rules like that. Mm-hmm. And so they can do things like this. And I thought it was cool that they, they showed us a bit of that, that happening. Yep. 
so yeah, I thought I thought that was a, a cool spin and it was an interesting idea. I wouldn't necessarily say it was the most exciting episode, but like every episode in season three, it was pretty solid. Yep. Yep, I agree. Um, yeah, like if if this had been T and G or something like that, it would have been on the holodeck. Um, whereas like this, like it was cool how they you know because they don't have yeah. that they you know. Uh, trick this guy low tech style. I, I like that. Uh, Richard, what, yeah. are, what are your yeah. thoughts? Low, low tech in the future. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, literally speaking, like everything in Enterprise is low tech, but compared to us, it's high tech. So mm-hmm. yeah. I guess it's just, uh, you know, relative to the time that they're in. But as far as the episode, I thought it was really good. Um, mm-hmm. It did show like a little bit of a. Mm, what word I'm looking for? The, a willingness to do things that you know may or may not be morally ambiguous. Like they didn't necessarily torture the guy, yeah, but they sure were not honest with them, you know. Yeah, but yeah, it was a good episode, and if I recall correctly, it almost worked, yeah, or it did work, and it was, he still got it figured out. But either way, like. It was good. It was probably kind of fun for Archer, I would imagine, to play something a little bit different than, like, you know, the boring captain. You yep. know, he gets to do some other cool stuff. And, yeah, I mean, aside from that, it's a really good episode. It's it's one that is required because you need to know, like, a lot of the story that's involved in that episode. So it's not a skipper. Yeah. But a really good episode, and I, I, I enjoyed it. Excellent. And Curtis, your thoughts? Well, I'll just echo what everyone else has said. Obviously, it's a good episode. But for me, it's because we're used to seeing TNG and, well, mostly TNG. We're used to seeing the Federation getting duped, the humans getting duped. It's always the damn Romulans that are messing with Geordi's visor or freezing time or whatever the hell it is. So it's kind of nice to see the humans doing the tricking for once. And I think it's sort of a foreshadowing that, you know, Archer's, he's starting to do some stuff that maybe, maybe not everybody in the, uh, in the sanitized Federation would, would agree with in order to accomplish his ends. And obviously we'll see more of that, but this was a good, good precursor to that. Yep. Excellent. So, so basically Curtis just said what I said, but with fancier words. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> cool. All right. just, just trying Can to chew up airtime. Like I said it with the big words too. <laughs> totally. Ragnar was actually whispering to me in another chat that whole time. <laughs> like, say this because I I meant to, but I forgot. But here's the script. Well, every time you say something, it always sounds better when you think about it later. I mean, like, oh, why did yeah. I say it like that? It sounded yeah. way cool. Yeah. Exactly. Literally every time I've ever had an argument in my entire life. Yep. Yeah, so Ragnar got around that. Now he's just my ghostwriter. His <laughs> words come out of my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, next episode is 67th of the series, 15th of the season, and that is Harbinger. The date is December 27th, 2153, directed by David Livingston. Story by Rick Berman and Bran and Braga. Teleplay by Manny Cotto. Original air date, February 11th, 2004. Um, 
Harbinger Harbinger works together three plot lines in a single episode. To Paul Tucker relationship, Hayes, the Mako commander, and and Reed's tension, and uncovering the nature of a mysterious alien discovered in an anomaly and his possible possible links to the Expanse Sphere Builders. Um, So, yeah. Uh, I'll just quickly read the plot here. Uh, the Enterprise continues along its course towards Azadi Prime to find the Zindi weapon. Commander Tucker begins spending time with a female Mako, and Subcommander Tapal begins to exhibit signs of suppressed jealousy. Meanwhile, long simmering tension between Lieutenant Malcolm Reed and Major Hayes finally comes to a head, and Hayes approaches Archer over the security roles aboard the Enterprise. Hayes suggests training together to share ideas, but Reed sees this as a move to undermine his authority. Enterprise diverts to investigate a convergent region of spatial anom- anomalies created by the center of the f- five spheres, spheres, sorry, where the crew discover a pod containing an alien. The pod is retrieved and the alien is taken to sickbay, but Dr. Floss can do little to help him. Uh, Archer wishes to interrogate him and does so against Phlox's wishes. Meanwhile, Hayes sets up a weapons training session and comments continually at Reed's performance. They later get into a fist fight, much to Archer's chagrin. T'Pol and Tucker finally continue their Vulcan neuropressure sessions, and T'Pol reveals her conversation with Simtrip to him, and the two become intimate. She later is very clinical in thanking Tucker for his assistance in their one-time exploration of human sexuality. Ah, lucky guy. Back in sickbay, the, aliens revi- <laughs> the alien revives and physically begins to phase. He attacks flocks and then heads through walls towards the warp core, attempting to stabilize the magnetic seals. Reed and Hayes, now working together, stop the alien, and he is returned to sickbay. Archer wants answers. The alien says that when the Zindi destroy Earth, his people will prevail, and phases again, disappearing completely. Uh, yeah, th- this was uh, this was an alright episode. I didn't mind this one. Uh, you know, kudos to Tucker. You know, good work, my friend. And, yeah. Um, I-, I-, I like the Hayes... Malcolm conflict. I thought that was, uh, you know, it totally made sense. And, uh, yeah, you know, they work good as a team, ironically. Uh, Richard, your thoughts, sir. I, I liked most of the episode, but I, I just think that three, three separate plot lines, a plot, B plot, C plot might be a little bit much. Mm hmm. Honestly, I could have done without like, you know, the the T'Pol part of it, mm. to, just from my perspective. But I did enjoy the uh, the Hayes Reed sort of like, you know, we got a problem, you know, and then they fight it out. Yep. And then they're cool again. You know what I mean? Like that's that's uh, it's good. I like that. Yep. And of course the uh, the alien dude. He's just a bad guy. Like, he's just a bad man. Yep. But it was very, like, they learned a lot from that, I think. And it's just another part of the story that they, you know, yep. need to have. It's another one of those episodes that I don't skip because there's a lot of good information there that you might need. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Good episode. Excellent. Curtis, your thoughts, sir? Well, I, I'm going to be up. Upfront and honest, I don't remember any of this episode except the fight between Hayes and Reed. I've been racking my brain. Usually, I can remember all the scenes, but I just I don't. 
I'm surprised you blocked out the, the, the Sapal part. Like I'm her, surprised too. Like her getting all horny and everything. <laughs> yeah, I. I, I meant to go and watch this half of the season before we did the show here, but uh, I've been busy. I'm going to have to go back and do a rewatch. I'm sorry I don't have yeah. too much else to say. No, it's all good, buddy. Uh, Ragnar, your thoughts? Uh, well, I was going to agree with what Richard had said. The, the fight, you know, we're mad at each other, now we're going to fight, and now we work together just fine again. And I'm like, that's it's such typical guy behavior. Yep. I, I've been in that experience. Um, people that I ended up becoming very good friends with, that's how it started out. You know, I don't like you. You grate on me. Now we're going to fight. And then we fight it a bit. And then, oh, yeah, we're cool. <laughs> like, yeah. it's just a guy thing, I think. Typical um, or not, I think that it's great. Because it's, just oh, like, it's and, almost and, and, a healthy, and, it's a healthy yeah. expression. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, as you know... They don't emerge from it begrudging each other. They, in fact, emerge from it maybe even slightly respecting each other more. Yeah. Um, and I thought it made perfect sense. At some point, you knew it when they brought in the Mako team. At some point, they're going to step on Reed's toes, you mm-hmm. know, and he's going to get mad at something. Like, it, you know, it was obvious. Um, and that was kind of just Reed being Reed, though. He was always going to take it that way, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because I, I really don't feel that the Mako guy was was too antagonistic here. He was really just doing his job. I I, mm-hmm. I kind of pin it on Reed, honestly. Um, but yeah, yeah. Um, so I thought that was good. Made sense. No, no issues. Um, and then I was just looking up the episode, and according to the the trivia that I found online. This is the first episode in Star Trek to feature a female nude scene which is presented in a sexual context. Numerous episodes of Star Trek Next Generation showed implied nudity, such as art classes, nudist living, mm-hmm. um, people being semi-naked when they're being tortured, etc. And of course, our underboob. Yeah, yeah. And of course, in DS9, in Who Mourns for Morn... There was there was uh, oh yeah Kirk being right by more which came very wise. close. Yep. So so that's sort of interesting trivia, but this is where it gets really interesting. When this episode aired in the United States, it was during the height of the controversy about the Janet Jackson Super Bowl kerfuffle. Oh yeah, and C- and that was on a CBS network, and CBS is who did this show or was airing the show, so they took a lot of heat for it, and that meant in the U.S. on the original broadcast, you don't see anything. But in the Canadian broadcast, you got to see to Paul's rear end. Ooh. So, you know, go Canada. Oh, yeah. 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 One of the perks of being Canadian. You know, usually, yeah. usually we don't get to see the things. Like, usually... Yeah. You know, we're the ones that have to pirate it or whatever, but for a yeah. change, for a change, but, we, we but in this one, in this one case, yeah, in this one instance, nerdy Canadian boys got happier than nerdy American mm-hmm. boys. Yep. <laughs> and and yep. let me just point out that we here at the Trek One Seven Hundred One podcast are definitely not thieves and don't advocate any kind of illegal high sea sailing whatsoever. Yep. Because yep. we're we're all good boys over yeah, here. Exactly. And, and also we all. And also, we all have crushes on 
the character of T'Pol. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And, and should we ever meet the actress who plays her in real life, we would no doubt transfer our crushes to the actress. Yep. Th- then you'd see us. Yeah, I'd still take Nicole DeBoer over. I'm sorry. It's Esri. It's all about Esri for me. Yeah, Terry Farrell for me, to be honest with you. Yeah, well. What? No, we've been over this. I, I'm in the Nana Visitor camp myself. That's a good camp. She's so nice, Ragnar. I wish she had been and there. That's only, and that's only if this, Amazing. you know, and that's only if there weren't, like, Klingon women available. They they trump everything for me. Yeah. Some Bator, game yeah. over. Let's go. Yeah, man. I, yeah. Well, I'm, yeah, th- no I'm, problem. You I'm want thinking, me to kill, you got to kill somebody to get with them? No problem. I'm <laughs> thinking uh, Susie Plaxon, you know, Kalar. Oof. Yeah. She's no very No problems beautiful. there either. Yeah. All <laughs> right. Do you remember um, when Worf went to that colony of, like, yep. half Romulan, half Klingon? Yep. That, the girl that was interested in him. I, I, I met her. Um, she, she was there that year that you guys didn't come, the, la- the last Vulcan I went to. Um, there was her. There was, uh, uh, what's his name? The, the guy who played, who's... Um, one of the Zindi, uh, Kurt, Tucker Smallwood. And then there was the lady who's on Discovery, but she was also one of the final five in the in Battlestar Galactica. Oh. So that, and also that actress played Harry's girlfriend in that second season episode when, when he's back on Earth. Well, oh, I'm going yeah. to have to watch Voyager again. But... And, and she's still beautiful. She, you know, even though, like, this is, like, whatever, 15 years ago. Yeah, or more than, well, I guess it was 14 years when I seen her. But, yeah, still beautiful. Anyway, I guess we should move on. Uh, the next episode, episode 68 of the series, 16th of the season, and it's Doctor's Orders. Date unknown, directed by another beautiful uh, Star Trek actress, Roxanne Dawson. Um, directed by Chris Black. Uh, original air date February eighteenth, two thousand and four. So I'm gonna quickly try to go through this plot while traveling through the Delphi, Delphic expanse. The Enterprise encounter, encounters a transdimensional disturbance that lies directly along its time-sensitive time course to a Zodi Prime and the Zindi weapon. The crew also learned that this disturbance causes permanent neurological damages to humans. To avoid a two-week detour while avoiding danger to the crew, Dr. Flox disables the neocortex of all human crew members to survive a four-day journey through the disturbance at reduced speed. While the crew is sedated, Flox attends to his extended duties aboard the ship, including caring for Captain Archer's dog, who is also immune to the effects of the disturbance. As he does so, he takes the opportunity to... Compose a letter to his acquaint to an acquaintance of his. Unfortunately, Flox himself begins to become nervous, and is easily spooked by regular ship noises. In engineering, falsely perceiving movement, he becomes increasingly tense and nervous. While investigating a noise, the he encounters Subcommander T'Pol, who is also carrying out duties while the human crew are sedated. And as a Vulcan, she is enjoying the quiet contemplation the situation allows her. She commits to spending more time with Phlox. Uh Phlox paranoia, paranoia escalates to delusions. At one point, he believes that two insectoids have somehow boarded the ship. They discover that the anomaly is expanding 
and that they are 10 weeks rather than 6 hours from merging. Both of them are now easily agitated and distracted, with Paul's mind unable to focus on helping as Phlox battles the ma- the mass to master the warp drive. He succeeds in getting them free. That done, he escorts Paul to her room, only to find her sleeping there, having been sedated at the time same time as the humans. His Paul hallucination disappears, but everyone is now safe. Phlox sends his unedited letter to his acquaintance, assuring him he will enjoy the story of his hallucinations. Um, so yeah, Doctor's Orders was written by co-executive producer Chris Black. The episode was directed by Roxanne Dawson, making it the eighth time she directed an episode of Enterprise. Billingsley and Blaylock were the only two actors on set for all seven days of filming. All right. Um, Curtis, your thoughts on this episode? You know, I don't have that many. Um, it's an enjoyable enough theme. An enjoyable enough episode reminds me of that Voyager episode where Seven of Nine had to man the ship. I think it was again with the Doctor that yep. time, wasn't it? Yep. So yeah, it's it's a theme we've seen before, but um, not unenjoyable. Good episode. Don't have a lot to say. Yep. Agreed. That, that's about where I'm at. Ragnar, your thoughts, sir? Honestly, I, I don't have a huge amount to say. Um, I love Dr. Phlox. He is one of my favorite characters in the show. And so anytime there's an episode that focuses more on him, I, I like it just for that reason. Mm-hmm. Um, I did think it was funny when he runs into to Paul and she's all he's kind of lonely and she's super happy that it's quiet and peaceful and nobody's bothering her. Yeah. Um, you know, I thought that was just, you know, it's, it's who she is, but it was just so funny. Um, yeah. Don't have a whole lot else to say. You know, good episode. I, I guess if you had to skip an episode this season, you could skip this one. I don't think you'd lose out on any major plot points, but mm-hmm. Dr. Flox <laughs> is so much fun. I don't know why you would want to skip him. Yeah. And Richard, your thoughts? Um, it wasn't my favorite, honestly. It was very much the same episode that was in Voyager with the same theme. Mm-hmm. It was well enough done, and like obviously um, Dr. Flox is one of the best characters, and then there's T'Pol. It's just one of those episodes where it's like kind of mediocre for me, just given the content, and I wouldn't feel bad if I accidentally skipped this one yeah all right um the next episode is 69th of the series 17th of the season and that's hatchery uh the date is january 8th 2154 directed by michael grossman story by andre bermanis and mike sussman teleplay by andre bermanis original air date february 25th 2004 um, Captain Captain Archer discovers an insectoid egg hatchery on a downed Zindi ship and becomes obsessed with protecting the eggs. In response to his increasingly erratic behavior, Commander Charles Trip Tucker III leads a mutiny to relieve Archer of his command. Um, so yeah, Major Hayes was in this, Daniel Day Kim as Corporal Chang, and, uh, yeah, um... I don't really have a lot to say about this because, yeah, like from what I remember, Archer 
is kind of uh, infected by by the eggs or being around the eggs or whatever, so he becomes like crazy, um, trying to protect them. But uh, that's really all I got. It, it, it was an all right episode. Uh, Ragnar, your thoughts? I actually I quite liked this episode. I thought. Um... The whole archer getting infected, and then he, he's sort of acting like the mother to the eggs, like Mama mm-hmm. Bear trying to protect them. I thought that was really fun, um, and I thought that was a, a neat twist on things, and and showed us a little bit more of you know, uh, you know, kind of a bit more about the the insectoid zindies. Um, yeah, I liked it. It it you know had a little bit of horror movie elements to it like a a feel Mm -hmm. and i dug it so yeah i thought this one was great excellent uh richard your thoughts i i thought it was pretty decent um i thought it was interesting how like the 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 liquid or the venom or whatever changed him in such a way to make him feel like you know the mom of the uh, eggs and such. Mm-hmm. That was rather interesting. One thing that I just realized is that Corporal Chang, Chang is a Chinese name, and Daniel Day Kim is Korean. Yep. Like, you know, I would have it would have been nice like for him to like have like a Korean name. You know, I don't know. It's just me, but I uh, I thought that would have been way cooler just to make it more like accurate, given that he's uh, you know. Korean and all. But yeah, aside from that, good enough episode. And I really, really like Daniel Day Kim and most of what he does, you know, like Lost. Mm-hmm. But yeah, good episode. Not a lot to say. It was just an interesting concept that I thought was interesting. And uh, yeah, that's about it. Yeah, he was also on the Babylon 5 spinoff, Crusade. He was the first officer. And he was fantastic in that. You know, I really wish that series hadn't been canceled. I think it would have been fantastic. He did a really good job. Uh, Curtis, your thoughts? Boys, I feel like I'm really phoning it in tonight. I don't remember a damn thing about this one. (laughs) I'm starting to wonder what the hell I was watching when I thought I was watching Enterprise. (laughs) I I got nothing. Well, you can at least make a pun about how that, you know, it's bugging you that you can't remember it. It is bugging me now that you mention it. I, uh, jeez. BRB, going to watch Enterprise. All right. Um, like, honestly, I'm not a, I'm not a big expert on Enterprise either, Curtis. Like, don't feel bad. Um, well, I just, I, I don't remember a thing about that episode, which is weird. Usually I at least remember their being an episode. Well, honestly, I didn't start remembering until I was reading. I was like, oh, yeah, this is the one where Archer goes nuts protecting these things. Um, but, yeah, no, it's it, it's all good. Uh, next episode is episode 70 of the series, 18th of the se- season, and it's Azadi Prime, Date Unknown, directed by Alan Croker, story by Rick Berman, Brandon Braga, and Manny Cotto, teleplayed by Manny Cotto, original air date March 3rd. 2004. Um, in this episode, 
The crew track a Zindi super weapon down to a planet, and Captain Jonathan Archer seeks to destroy the weapon in a suicide attack. He, he is captured, and the Enterprise is seriously damaged after an attack by four Zindi vessels. Uh, the USS Enterprise J appeared in this episode, based on designs by Doug Drexler. The ship was from 400 years in the future from the time frame that the series is set in, and the bridge set was created mostly using green screen. John Eaves also created several designs of aquatic Zindi vessels for this episode. Um, and yeah, I just remember the Enterprise J being just, like, massive. So, of course, we had uh, Agent Daniels in this episode. Um, Tucker Smallwood as Zindi Primate Counselor. Rick Worthy as Janar. Um, and yeah, uh, it was a good... Uh, action-packed episode from what i remember uh richard your thoughts on this episode sir uh, i thought it was pretty good i like time travel episodes i don't remember exactly if this one was insanely based on time travel but the enterprise j is a really badass ship and it is massive mm-hmm. but if i recall correctly this was a good episode one that needed to be watched I'm just having difficulties remembering some of the details mm-hmm. aside from that yeah I'm I'm good it was a good episode you know that's pretty much it and I always like seeing Daniel he's an interesting little side character that I like to see yep that's about it though agreed um and Curtis you, did you have any thoughts on this episode well if you play Star Trek Online... Okay. <laughs> yep, yep. Of course. Pause, pause to let Ragnar have a shuffle. <laughs> if you play Star Trek Online, you get to do some work for Agent Daniels. Nice. And you get to see the Enterprise J in action. It looks super cool. It's a saucer with, like, the sleekest, slimmest tapered little nacelles coming out of like yep. a little tail thing that comes out of the saucer. It just it looks pretty cool. Um, and you get to see it kick some temporal ass. Yep. As far as the episode goes, I I recall, like you say, that they, there was a little more action than, than we've seen lately, but I don't really remember much else. I need to watch Enterprise again, I think, boys. Well, that's... That's quite all right. Usually I would before we record, but it's just been crazy busy. Yep. Yeah, I can't believe it's almost the end of January already. Like, this is nuts. I know, it's insane. Uh, Ragnar, your thoughts, sir? Well, I I remember this episode, and I thought it was awesome. Oh, yeah, bring it Because the the Enterprise shows up to save the Enterprise. And I was like, wow, this is sweet. Um. So yeah, I got a. I I thought that was awesome. Um, I like the time travel element, and I like that it wasn't like them going back to our time or mm-hmm. Mark Twain's time or something like that. Um, you know, because a lot of the Star Trek time travel episodes are you know things like that. And uh, this is the one where we see. Um, Gosh, I'm blanking on her name now. We were just talking about her. The Vulcan lady. To Paul? To Paul! Oh my gosh, pardon me. Brain <laughs> fart. 
this is the one where we see to Paul and she's like ancient, right? Uh, is this the, well? The, there was the episode where Archer can't remember. Was this was? Did we see her in this episode? Well, I, I thought it was this one where you see her and she's like you know like two or three hundred years old or something. Maybe I'm getting two episodes mixed up. I don't know. I can't. I, I don't think so. But Richard, it's the what Spears do you boys. The Spears are messing us up. Uh, yes, this I believe this is the one where the the Enterprise was thrown back in time, and then they had to catch up with their other counterparts. I think is this the one? I'm confused too. Hmm. Uh, Casey Biggs is in this one. That's interesting. Yeah, I did not know. Well, anyways, I thought it was the one we see here, but maybe I've got two episodes mixed up. In which case, um, it was good. I don't see anything about... Completely blanking on this one, I guess. Richard, I think you're an episode ahead. Well, this one's called Damage, right? No, we're we're still on a Zoddy Prime. Oh wow! Yeah, I thought we were uh, past that. But but l- let's move on to Damage, uh, episode seventy-one of the series, nineteenth of the season. Damage, date unknown. Directed by J- James L. Conway. Written by Phyllis Strawn. Original air date Mar- or sorry, April twenty-first, two thousand and four. Um. Okay, so. Uh, the plot is the Enterprise is fairly damaged. The Zindi unexpectedly break off the attack of the previous episode. Reptilian Commander Dolem is angered by the recall. After the Zindi begin to doubt that the Earth ship represents the same threat they previously imagined, uh, Primate Degra argues that the evidence of interference in Zindi culture provided earlier by Captain Archer must be discussed first. Um... And uh, what else happens here? Some other stuff happens. Um, meanwhile, Ensign Sato discovers a message from Degra hidden aboard the Zendi escape pod, asking the Enterprise rendezvous. Uh, honestly, I'm reading this. I'm drawing a blank. Yeah, Casey Biggs is in this. He plays the Illyrian captain. And Tucker Smallwood's in this again. Rick Worthy Ooh. again. Um, this episode was written by Phyllis Strawn who contributed four scripts to Star Trek Voyager and was executive story editor of Enterprise. Um, Casey Biggs, who played the Illyrian captain, is better known for starring as Cardassian Damar on Star Trek Deep Space Nine. The producers told him, well, we're creating a new race here, and he was interested interested to be a part of that, but they never wrote any more about the Illyrians. Um, This is the one where Archer, like, forcibly steals that coil and strands those people at that sphere in order to... Like, this is the one where it Yes, yes. And he refuses to give yeah. them their soul warp coil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he ba- yeah, he basically strands them so they'll be, like, in space for, like, three years or something. He's like, yeah, you can, like, see Archer change and he gets this this, like, stoic look on his face of, like, shit, like, this is what I have to do to save my planet. And I need to be stone-faced about it. Because if I feel bad for these people, I'm not going to be able to do what I need to do. That's what you want. Okay. I'm yep. all caught up now. We're good. Yeah. 
Well, and I always thought, like, they could always send a different ship back to help them out. Like, they don't have to leave them stranded for three years, like, once they've saved Earth. Totally. But, but anyway, uh, Curtis, your and thoughts. I suspect by the time they saved the Earth, they've forgotten all about, about Yeah, it, those so. guys, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're hanging out with uh, Thomas Riker somewhere, being forgotten. Yeah. Um, I don't know. You got my thoughts, really. It's it's the one where we see Archer take a turn for, towards you know the dark side of things. Yep. Which is cool because it reminds me of like, um, what's the episode in the Pale Moonlight. Yep. From DS Nine, where you see like a captain driven to such desperation that suddenly there it seems like there's a lot more gray area in the galaxy than we're used to seeing. And I know that we're pre-Federation, which is all polished and sanitized and a little bit you know we're mm-hmm. gritty we're not deep space nine gritty so that's cool it fits in the show um really an enjoyable episode just just for that just to see that that determination that's overcome archer when he realizes like i can't play nice anymore because yep. we, we saw him pussyfoot around you know out of the, his little corner of the galaxy for two seasons and now it's now it's time to play with the big boys Ragnar, your thoughts, sir? Well, I, I don't have too much else to say that, that hasn't already been discussed as so much as just this was the episode where Archer got super dark and he stays dark for a while and I loved it because I, I really found Archer, especially in seasons one and two, was just kind of wishy-washy. And while I didn't dislike him he was kind of boring and it just wasn't super compelling and then in this season he he gets dark and i loved it and you know he's why he's doing it you understand his motivations but it was still shocking to see some of it like leaving those people stranded yeah wow that is a dick move like I get why you're doing it, and I actually agree with you doing it, but wow, that's pretty dickish. Exactly. Because there's a motive that you can, like, understand and relate to, that's what makes it good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's not just, well, he turned dark just because. He's bad now just because. Yeah, it was was well enough written that it it made sense, mm -hmm. and and you followed along, and you were in for the ride. Totally. Easy to buy in. Yep. Yeah, so so just for that reason alone, this is a great episode. And then as a bonus, um, Casey Biggs, right? So that mm-hmm. was fun. You know, Damar is not my favorite DS9 character, but it's still fun to see him again. Yep. What yeah. do you mean? Damar is amazing. Oh, I, I'm not crapping on him. Just I, I liked him as Dr. Wyckoff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Richard, your thoughts. Yeah, that's, sir. All, that's all I got to say. You know what? Honestly, I like this episode because it was kind of a departure. It was the pivotal moment of the departure of Archer. And one thing that I did realize is that he could have been a complete like asshole, and he could have done it in a much different way. Like if it was a Klingon commander, for example, mm-hmm. it could have been you know just destroy the ship, take them as prisoners, slaves, whatever you want to call it, and he could have just left them dead. Although he 
didn't do it the nicest, well, it was as nice a way as he could have possibly done it, given what he had to do. Yep. And he had to essentially strand them, but he could have done it in a way that was much more evil, and he didn't. So mm-hmm. he re- retained some of his humanity, at least. Yep. But Excellent. other than that, it was just a really good episode. I appreciate it. Yep. All right. Next episode is 72nd of the series, 20th of the season, and that is The Forgotten. Date Unknown, directed by Jordi LaForge, LeVar Burton, uh, written by or, yeah, written by Chris Black and David A. Goodman, original air date April 28th, 2004. All right, so... Uh, the plot, Captain Archer tells the crew they will continue their mission, but will remember the 18 crew members who died in the recent battle with the Zinti, with the Zindi, sorry. He directs the Enterprise to rendezvous with Degra. He also orders Commander Tucker to write a letter to the parents of Jane Taylor, a member of his engineering team who died in a recent battle. Also, Subcommander DePaul discusses with Dr. Flox the consequences of her trillium addiction and is troubled when he tells her the inability to control her emotions may be permanent. Arriving at the Sphere, the Enterprise is soon approached by Degra and Jannar's ship, who Archer then invite on board to attempt to gain their trust. He then reveals the evidence that the reptilian core and technology of the failed viral attack against 2004 Earth, per episode Carpenter Street, images of the dying alien who attempted to destroy the ship, and scans of the interior of a sphere. He again reiter- reiterates that humans and Zindi are predestined to form an alliance to stop the sphere builder's incursion in the future. But he also demands that Degra reveal information about the weapon and its launch schedule. And increasingly persuaded, Degra promises to do what he can to delay it. Um, meanwhile, dangerous plasma fire erupts unnoticed on the Enterprise hull. Initially, the blaze is small, but it expands progressively until Tucker and Lieutenant Reed are forced to undertake an uh, extravehicular activity to extinguish it. Throughout the crises, Tucker Tucker repeatedly undermines Captain's authority by reveling Degra for the suffering he caused during the first attack on Earth that killed his sister. To make matters worse, a large reptilian ship arrives and they are forced to work together to destroy it despite Degra's reluctance to attack fellow Zindi. With their new pact sealed, Degra suggests a meeting with the rest of the council and provides Archer with the coordinates. Alright. Um, so, uh, this... Okay, so I got a few notes here. The episode was the third of the... Of the third season was directed by a Next Generation alum, LeVar Burton, who previously directed two episodes in each of the first two seasons of the show. Uh, Randy Oglesby and Rick Worthy returned in their recurring roles as members of the Zindi Council, while Bob Morrissey returned to the Enterprise as a reptilian captain, having previously appeared in the episode Stigma as Dr. Strom. Joining in a brief appearance as an engineer in The Forgotten was Seth MacFarlane, creator of the television series Family Guy. He made one further appearance in the series in the season four episode Affliction, where his character was given the name Ensign Rivers. All right. Uh, Ragnar, what are your thoughts on this episode? 
Um, I don't actually have a whole lot to say about this episode. Um, it's kind of setting up. It's a you know it's sort of setting up stuff, yep. getting the ball rolling on some some stuff that's going to pay off later. Um, or I thought Archer's evidence overall was fairly compelling, but it didn't quite seem to sway them to his side immediately the way you kind of thought they might. Mm-hmm. Um, I also thought it was funny, like Trip's having trouble with the ship; it keeps breaking down and falling apart and and i thought that was great because that's exactly what would happen they're they're pushing their ship way further and way harder than it was ever built or designed to mm-hmm. um and yeah overall you know good episode I, I i don't think this is one to skip i think you should probably watch this one i think it it has some elements that definitely play into the the overall zindi expanse storyline um yeah don't really have anything else to say about it excellent uh richard your thoughts sir richard are we muted yeah there's just not a whole lot to say about the episode it was good but yeah you know, it's just one of those episodes. Like, I thought that the plasma fire, like, graphics were cool just because of the way they did it. Really like that. But aside from that, it's it's a good episode. Don't skip it. But that's all I have to say about that, really. Excellent. And Curtis. Most of it's been said already. It's a nice breather. You know, we just had some intense action last episode. Um, and we're starting to get, like, hope metered out to us slowly. That maybe maybe they're going to be able to salvage this thing. They've they've got what appears to be an ally in Degra. We'll see how that goes. But it's not totally, you know, overwhelming force versus one ship anymore. Mm-hmm. Is what that starts to feel like. So that's it's nice. A little easier to breathe in this episode. Yeah. All right. Um. The next episode is 73rd of the series, 21st of the season. E is the name of the episode. Date Unknown, directed by Bellana Torres herself, Roxanne Dawson. Written by Mike Sussman. Uh, original air date, May 5th, 2004. Uh, Just to oh, no. cut in real quick. Sorry, sorry. sorry, the episode name I think is E Squared. E Squared, yes. I, I did not see the little two there. Um, but yes, it is E squared. Um, uh, the episode made, oh, so I I was just going to cut in and say, uh, what, like three or four episodes ago, we were all mixed up on an episode. This is the episode I thought we were talking about. Yeah. I was going to say that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, where am I here? In this episode, the Enterprise encounters a version of itself that was sent 117 years into the past, now populated by the descendants of the crew as a generational ship. The true crews must work together so the modern Enterprise can access a wormhole defended by Zindi vessels. The episode made use of the standing Enterprise sets as well as created as those created for Degra's ship. Guest stars included those who had previously appeared as members of the Zindi Council, as well as uh, several who were new to the Enterprise who appeared as members of the future Enterprise. Most scenes were filmed between February 3rd and February 11th, 2004, with an additional special effect shoot on February 13th. Reviewers compared E-squared 
to a number of several episodes, including Children of Time, Deadlock, and All Good Things. The Nielsen's ratings received by the episode equated to 3.35% audience share. Um, so yeah, so this would be the one with uh, the future to Paul. Yeah, this is the one I was thinking of, and I and I love this episode, and and it was great. And I'm sorry to the viewers that I got muddled up on the previous episode. Um, this is the one I thought we were talking about. Me too, and I think it's it's old past to Paul, not future to Paul. I don't know if that's yeah. an important distinction or not. Yes, it is. It it she's like a hundred and well, it's a hundred and seventeen years older than she was when we last saw her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it was awesome. And the Enterprise showing up to save the Enterprise was super awesome. And the two ships having to work together was was sweet. And I I thought this was a totally kick ass episode. Excellent, uh, Richard. Did you have any more thoughts? Yeah. Um, well, this is probably one of my favorite episodes because. As you know, I kind of enjoy that uh, time travel-y, timey-wimey type stuff. Mm-hmm. And this was just enjoyable in general for me. It was a cool concept. Sure, we've you know, kind of seen it before in different fashions, but I just I enjoyed it. I'm not going to say that I didn't. Um, Old DePaul had some really cool like wisdom things, you know, and it was just a good concept. But yeah, great episode. Don't skip it. Excellent. And Curtis, your thoughts? Well, I don't have as much um, filler material for this one, but uh, it messed with time, and that's fun. And that's all I have to say about it. Yep. Yeah, it was a good one. All right. Uh, the next episode is 74th of the series, 22nd of the season, and that, and that is The Council. Uh, the date is February 12th, 2154, directed by David Livingston, written by Manny Cotto. Original air date, May 12th, 2004. Um, all right, Captain Archer attempts to convince the Zindi Council not to use their superweapon on Earth. Meanwhile, Subcommander T'Pol leads an away team to a nearby sphere to attempt to retrieve a data core in order to get more information on the Sphere Builders. Uh, the episode featured several returning guest stars, including Randy, Randy Oglesby, Tucker Smallwood, uh, and other additional sets were required for the scenes at the Cindy, Cindy Council while the sets for Degrership had been created for an earlier episode. Although most scenes were filmed between February 12th and 23rd, the scenes featuring the Sphere Builders were filmed in conjunction with the following episode on February 26th. Two reviewers praised this episode. It was nominated for a Primetime Emmy Award for Outstanding Special Visual Effects. Um, there was a slight increase in re- ratings for this episode, um, translating to about 3.35 million viewers. Yeah, so we're, we're building up to our climax with this episode. Uh, Richard, your thoughts, sir? Um, I don't think I have a whole lot to say. Definitely an important episode to watch. There's a lot of good uh, interactions here. Again, I'm just some of the details are blurry for this episode, but mm-hmm. yeah, it was a good episode. Don't skip it. You know, that's yep. pretty much it. Uh, Curtis, your thoughts? None whatsoever. 
I don't have a clue what happened in this episode. All right, no problem. And I'm sorry that everyone has to listen to me say that so often tonight. God damn, I'm embarrassed. That don't be embarrassed, man. Like I, I honestly, a lot of these episodes are blending together for me. You know, like there's because there's so that's, much. I think that's it. Like, yeah, it's super serialized now. Yeah, because like, they're they're definitely getting towards the climax, right? So they're well, and that was like a couple episodes. I knew exactly where we were a couple episodes ago, but it was like a blend of the three preceding episodes that I couldn't remember. And all of a sudden, it fell into place when we got to that one. So I don't know. Yeah, yeah, not a problem. And Ragnar, the arc your thoughts? Is just too tight. Sorry. Yep. No, it it is. Uh, Ragnar, your thoughts, sir? Um, I, I quite enjoyed this episode. It is definitely one you need to watch if you're, you know, going to understand the rest of the storyline for the remaining episodes of the season. Mm-hmm. And I definitely <laughs> felt sympathy, you know, and, and the frustration for Captain Archer because he, he shows up, he's actually trying to help the Zindi. And two of them, they won't even listen to him. They just, they're gone. Yeah. And it's like, so even if he convinces all the remaining races, it's still, he's still not going to succeed here. Um, and I, and I liked that because again, it, it <clears throat> kind of felt more realistic. I mean, look how hard it is to get like three people to agree on a movie to watch or a mm-hmm. place to eat. And, yeah. you know, the problems only get worse when, when the, consequences are more dire so yep so I, I liked it for that reason and other than that i don't have a whole lot else to say all right um all right next episode 75th of the series 23rd of the season countdown date february 13th 2154 directed by lieutenant tom paris robert duncan mcneil Written by Andre Bermanis and Chris Black. Original air date, May 19th, 2004. Um, in this episode, Captain Jonathan Archer convinces the Zindi Aquatics to aid him in his fight against the Zindi Reptilians and Insectoids Alliance to prevent Earth's destruction by their superweapon. The weapon departs for Earth, with Archer in pursuit on board a Zindi vessel. In the midst of a battle between the two Zindi factions, an away team is sent to rescue Ensign Hoshisato, previously captured by the Reptilians. Countdown was the first collaboration between writers Andre Bermanis and Chris Black, and was directed by former Star Trek Voyager actor Robert Duncan McNeil. It was shot over eight days with additional sets built for the Zindi Reptilian vessel, and the interiors of the superweapon. Critics praised the change of dynamic between Major Hayes and Malcolm Reed. Countdown was watched by 3.5 million viewers, and it won an Emmy for visual effects. Um, so, was this the one where, uh, what's-his-name dies? Does, does he die in this episode? Hayes? Yeah. I think he... I think it's either this one or the next one, but there's definitely like a long, crazy action sequence yeah. where they're fighting in corridors on the reptilian ship, and there's like Makos being Makos and throwing charges and stuff. Yeah, I'm, I don't think that was this one. Okay, well, Curtis, must be the next one then. Curtis, your thoughts? I, I I wish I knew. Now I don't know if it was this one or the next one that I'm thinking of. Well, next one's the the season finale, so. 
It, it, it could. It, yeah, I, 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 I just can't remember. To figure out. Yeah, it's it's so hard to break the episodes apart. It, it really in the is. Last half of this season, I just. Yeah. yeah, not a problem. I, I guess I'll wait till next episode and talk about all of it. All right, uh, Ragnar, your thoughts, sir. Um, don't have a whole lot else to say other than what's been said. So, you know, it was great, and it definitely makes you want to see what happens next. Absolutely. And Richard, your thoughts? Yeah, I'm pretty much on the same page. I'm just because they do kind of all blend together. Yep. Um, this is where Hoshi shot. Hoshi Sato was like taken prisoner and um, kind of used to decode these things, right? Yep. Yeah. 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 Like that they did that because that's just it's very sort of um, typical of the reptoid uh, race to kind of do that. They're kind of bad dudes, so like it makes sense, and I appreciate kind of like that sort of yep. continuity in a way. Excellent. Um, all right. Well, we have reached the season finale. This is the 76th episode of the series, 24th of the season, zero hour. Uh, the date is February 14th, 2154, directed by Alan Croker, written by Rick Berman and Brandon Braga. Original air date, May 26th, 2004. Uh, so, uh, let's... In this episode, Subcommander DePaul leads the Enterprise on an attack on Sphere 41 in an attempt to destroy the Sphere network within the Delphic Expanse. Meanwhile, a team led by Captain Jonathan Archer has infiltrated the Zendi weapon while it is en route to Earth. Both the spheres and the weapon are destroyed, but Archer is lost, presumed dead. Enterprise returns to Earth, but the crew suddenly find they have been sent back in time to a very different Second World War. This episode was written by series co-creators Rick Berman and Brian and Brogan was directed by Alan Croker. The episode took eight days to film and included a larger guest cast than normal for episodes of Enterprise, as well as two comp competition winners. The twist of the Zero Hour was originally conceived by the writers as a joke, but was developed over the course of the third season to become the concept of alien Nazis. This twist was further expanded and resolved in the season four two-parter opener Stormfront. Uh, roughly 3.9 million viewers watched Zero Hour on its first broadcast. So yeah, there's a lot of guest stars on this episode. Tucker Smallwood, um, Rick Worthy, uh, Jeffrey Combs, uh, Ashran, of course. Um, I don't see Hayes here. Maybe he did die on the previous episode. I, I was just reading the synopsis of the last one. He did. He uh, okay, yeah. Took one to the chest for the team to get everybody to get Sato out. Right, right. Because yeah, Sato was all messed up because they were like, I can't remember what the hell they were doing to him. They were doing something. And yeah. then I remember in, in this one in Zero Hour, Archer had to like force her to pull it together and decipher a bunch of crap to stop the weapon or whatever. Yeah, it's all coming back to me now. Yeah. And we have Agent Daniels on this episode as well. Um, and yeah, it was uh, one of those where the twist ending, it was like, what the hell is going on here? Um, 
so yeah, it uh, it was a good end of the season. Um, you know, uh, again, you know, it was had that twist that doesn't get resolved until you know the second episode of season four. But uh, it was a good little you know WTF cliffhanger for sure. Um, Richard, your thoughts, sir? Yeah, that's pretty much kind of like what I was thinking too. I do like it sometimes though when T'Pol takes command of the ship. Maybe I just enjoy the way she sits in the chair. It's just uh, you know, very dainty kind yep. of. Yep, she's and fantastic. It's a good episode. You gotta watch it. I'm just. I'm just all the details seem to be the exact same for these last few episodes. Yep. Um, Curtis, your thoughts? Well, I've said most of them already. I mean, I remember a really intense action sequence at the end of the Zindi arc, and I was happy to conclude the Zindi arc. I liked the sequence of events that we went through on the sphere with Sato and all that to get there. I hated the twist. Wasn't a fan. Like, I, as a viewer, I deserved a rest from the yeah. stress that that crew was going through, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I just, like, let me just calm down for a week or two and just breathe. Nope, nope, another month of bullshit. Here you go. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> I, I'm going to watch it, but, you know, I'm angry about it. I just... Yeah. Uh, wasn't a fan of that. Tw- I, the theme didn't bother me so much. I just... Come on, man! Give me an episode to relax. And I, I totally, I totally agree with you, Curtis. Like, you know, I didn't mind the twist ending, but that could have easily been like a two-part episode in the middle of season four. You know, like it, like, yeah. like it, it didn't really tie into what we had already been watching. Uh, other than you know, like it does tie into the temporal cold war, but you know, they could have, like I said, they yeah, could have just that. done that later on in season four like. pacing man pacing yeah like i i want to see archer and them come out of it you know i mean they've already been beaten up enough like you know right like let's shine the ship up a bit get sato a cup of coffee and a fresh change of clothes let's get some food in us yep you know then let's deal with the next thing yeah exactly yep uh ragnar your thoughts sir well, um, I get what you guys are saying about the twist being sort of frustrating, but I loved it because I was watching the episode. I'm like, well, I see how this is going to wrap itself up. Okay, cool. And then it didn't do that. And I was like, whoa, I was not expecting that. Yeah. So um, probably if you watch this on television and you had to wait, whatever, eight months, a year, however long it was until the next season – yeah, that probably would have kind of sucked. But because I watched it all on Netflix, well after the fact, yeah. I just immediately watched the next episode, and so I didn't I didn't have any issues with that. And I'm thinking, at the time this came out, they probably built that ending hoping it would get more viewers for the next season. Like, that was probably a very, not so much a, like this is important to the characters and, and stuff, but more just like, we got to do everything we can to get more people to watch this show. Yeah. So twist endings to Paul's, butt, anything we can do, let's get, let's do it so we can get people to watch this. Yeah. 
But, and, um, and, and I can totally see that. But to put it into perspective, um, this episode first aired May 26th. The next episode, season four, episode one, October 8th. So people had to wait yeah. over four months to find out what the hell was going on. Gross. Yeah, that's a while. That is that is a long time. Like yeah, even even best of both worlds. Like I mean, that come out the end of June, and then the part two was like the end of September. So you know that was like yeah. only three months. Yeah, that's also a long time. Which yeah, felt like an eternity for sure. Yeah. And TV time in four months isn't the ultimate eternity. No. Oh. No. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. I was going to say, like, with uh, with the COVID pandemic, you know, like, it was supposed to be done in a few months, and here we are two over two years later. Um, yeah. <laughs> and it, remember and it, remember two, two weeks to bend the curve? <laughs> yeah. 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 It's got to be soon, boys. They're yeah. running out of excuses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, well, uh, Saskatchewan and Alberta are both. They're both already switching to the government, not the healthcare system, but the governments are both switching to it's endemic. And we have to live with it. Let's move on. Yep. So the, the healthcare system's saying a very different thing, but the government, that's what they're saying yep. provincially. So the provincial governments have more control over the lockdowns and the restrictions we've had than the federal. So, yep. So it looks like in Alberta and Saskatchewan by March or April, we're, they're going to, well, they're going to do what we did last year, which is we're going to reopen and we're going to pretend it's over. And if it is over, sweet. And if it's not over, then next year we'll be just as fucked as we are now. Hey, I'm okay for pretending it's over. Like, then we can meet up again in the summertime and have Chinese food. Again. Yeah. Because yeah. that, I mean, that was I've fantastic. All they, what they should have done, done was like built, them. you know, they should have, they should have built some additional hospital space, even if it meant taking over like an arena or something like that. And this is the COVID hospital. If you have COVID, you go there and we'll, we'll bring in the army to run it. We'll bring in people that are only half trained and we'll train them the rest of the way. And that way the regular healthcare system doesn't get impacted. And we would have never had to go through all this misery and shutdowns and economic harm. Yeah. And that's why you'll never be in politics, Rag. Now you're talking way too much sense, and that's not yeah. acceptable. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, what a funny story. They tried that in New York, but, you know, they had hospital ships and everything. Yeah. But that didn't seem to work out as well. I mean, also. Yeah, that's a whole other discussion. New York has more people than. New York City alone has more people than all of BC, all of Alberta, all of Saskatchewan, and all of Manitoba put together. So there's that to consider. (laughs) But anyway, getting back to enterprise. Yeah. Now, now, yeah, no, no. It's frustrating because my, my work is being impacted. Oh yeah. No, I hear you, buddy. I hear you. But now, you know, looking back at enterprise four months, ain't that long actually. No, you know, um, but yeah, like hopefully this, this thing's over before sooner rather than later. But, you know, if it wasn't for the pandemic, Trek 1701 wouldn't be here right now. Because if anything, it brought us yeah. together to talk about Star Trek, which is good. Yeah, oh yeah. It's um, not all, there's, you know, there are good things that came out of the pandemic. You know, yep. podcasting for, for us is one of them. 
Yep, absolutely. Um, all right. Well, this is, uh, I think we'll call this an episode. So our next episode, we're just going to jump right into uh, Enterprise Season 4.0. So we'll be talking about, I'm going to double check, see how many episodes we got. Twenty. Oh, there's only 22 in Season 4. So we'll only be talking about the first 11, I guess. Man, as the seasons go on, they get less and less. That's too bad. Um, and and to be honest with you, uh, like season four was my favorite. I, I really wish season four had been season one. You know, and I, I think if it had been, they would have uh, oh, yeah. not been canceled. But but we'll definitely be talking you're, about I that. I think you're absolutely right. If seasons one and two had been as good as seasons three and four, we probably would have seen more excitement about the show, and that would have been more people watching it, and that would have meant they did more seasons. Yep. But seasons one and two are real slow, and and they're not bad, but they're hard to get into, and a lot of people just were like, nah, it's kind of boring, and that was it. Yep. Well, and I, I sh- and I should point out, like this time uh, in Star Trek history, I think people, you know, for the most part, were getting burnt out. You know, like, um, yeah, like Voyager. I don't want to shit on them. Like, like they, like I've, I've always said, the great cast. They had a fantastic cast. Um, the sets were were awesome, um, but you know, it just people got turned off by it. You know, um, I mean Voyager. You know, to go off on a quick tangent, should have been a, uh, a much more memorable show than it was. Um, you know, like the Voyager from the first episode until uh, the season finale, it looks exactly the same. Like the bridge looks the same, ship's not beat up at all. Like it should have been like Battlestar Galactica, where, you know, the new one, <laughs> where it's like falling apart. You know, like it, like literally the spine is broken on the Galactica and you can see it like moving. Um, like, like that, they did uh, in the year of hell. It's all held, held together yeah. with alien goo and duct tape. Yeah. Yeah. Like year of hell that like, cause supposedly year of hell, the two parter, that was going to be a whole season arc. That would have been amazing. Other than the reset. It could have been easy. Yeah. I just thought the reset at the end of it was like, eh. so you're telling me the, this two hours didn't actually mean anything. Um, yeah, that's kind of how I felt that the the series finale of of TNG, where it didn't really happen. Like it happened hmm. for Picard and Q, but it didn't actually happen for anyone else. So I kinda, yeah. I always kind of felt like eh, you know like I, I hate those episodes where they just reset everything back to the you know back to the start. Um, mm-hmm. but anywho, anywho, I'm, I'm, I'm going off on tangent town here. Um, so we will be back, uh, towards the end of February with, uh, Trek 1701, where we will be discussing season 4.0, but before we go, let's play that little game of where can we find you on the internet and Curtis, where can we find you, sir? Right here. And I'm also in the Trek 1701 podcast, Facebook group. You can talk to me there excellent um i am also there uh we have a trek 1701 facebook group there's a facebook group for the pop culture pub podcast network if you want to check that out um i'm also the admin of the incredible fans of the incredible hulk 
I do an outer space, uh, more grounded, like with, um, you know, real space type of stuff called Outer Spaces. It's, it's also a Facebook group. So if you want to check that out. And I also have a Facebook group called Lockhart's Favorite Animation and Toy Franchises. So if you like He-Man, if you like Captain Power, if you like Thundercats, G.I. Joe, Transformers, you'll like that group. I also do a blog, randomnerdist.blogspot.com. And I'm on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at ChrisLock1701. Richard, where can we find you, sir? Right here. That's where I live now. Excellent. It's a good place to live. Um, and last but not least, we have Ragnar. Where can we find you, sir? Well, um, RagnarTheTrader.com is my main website. And I'm also on Facebook and Instagram as RagnarTheTrader. Um, I'm only medium active online, but if you send me a message, I'll get back to you within a day or so. And, uh, yeah. Excellent. Um, all right. Well, this was an episode. This was Truck 1701 Enterprise Season 3.5. I was your host this evening. My name is Chris Lockhart. I was joined by Ragnar, Richard, and Curtis. And we will see you again in the not-too-distant future.